0: Whether it's digital or analog design that keeps you busy, today, it's all about the experience. This is Experience by Design, a podcast exploring the latest trends and solutions, helping create the most intriguing experiences you can imagine, and the ones you can't. Hosted by Brian Mazaros. Welcome to
1: another episode of the Experience by Design podcast. I'm your host, Brian Mazeros, and today we welcome Marcos Terenzio, Vice President of Creative and Strategy at iGotcha Media. iGotcha is an award-winning, multidisciplinary digital experience agency with offices in Montreal and Toronto. They have worked with such high-profile brands from Reebok to Nissan and Cirque du Soleil to Psycho Bunny, creating unique, cutting-edge experiences. It is a pleasure to welcome Marcos to the show. Hello, Marcos. Thank you for joining.
0: Oh, thank you, Brian. Uh, it's a pleasure to join you on this podcast, and uh, I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. Yeah, likewise. It's always fun to uh, to catch up with you.
1: So if you can, if we could start here, if you can tell everyone a, a little bit about Icatcha, what are you guys focusing on, and, and what have you been up to?
0: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I Gotcha Media is uh, an integrated brand experience agency, and uh, what we mean when we say that is uh, we help brands to deliver fully integrated digital experiences, uh, typically within a physical environment. Uh, but we also do help them take a look at the entire digital path to purchase that their customer may be on, or the uh, the path to brand advocacy that their visitor or user may be experiencing with. So. Um, retail does play a really big part in our customer base, but uh, we also do quite a bit of work in in banking and automotive uh, and several other sectors as well. You know, we do everything from complete sourcing and procurement of hardware. We have our own software to drive experiences. Uh, But the area of the company that I look after is uh, creative and strategy. So uh, I have a a really great team of uh, strategists, UX designers, UI designers, uh, developers, motion graphics people uh, that really do a, a fantastic job of bringing those experiences to life through really rich content experiences. So, you know, we'll typically start with a brand to help identify and understand who their target audience may be. And then take a look at what the right types of communication might be to resonate with that audience and their purpose of visit. Uh, and then that usually helps to drive, you know, the technology that we'll recommend or whatever experience we'll, we'll put forward for them.
1: Do you, do you find yourself with the way, and we'll, we'll talk about retail for a, a little bit, um, with the Ray retail has been evolving. Um, do you find yourself getting involved more with the overall store design process? From understanding placement of technology to really what the designers trying to accomplish by the way the store is laid out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do a fair bit of work with uh, architectural and retail design firms uh, to complement, you know, obviously the great job that they're already doing in identifying the design of the physical space, but to also take a look at what the right role of digital experience might be within that mix, uh, and how it can serve a purpose. And you know, sometimes we also work directly with brands uh, to help them make decisions on you know the right location placement, uh, viewing angle, distance, taking a look at that whole uh, you know customer journey as they navigate through the physical environment to make sure that the digital is really going to do what it's uh, set out to. Do you think that?
1: I mean, the positioning of where you guys are now and, and understanding this collaboration is, is making it easier or setting you up to be in a better position and, and working with retail as new store designs start to open up or, or come up and really what an experience looks like post-pandemic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, collaboration is, is very important. uh I mean, even though uh, you know, some firms can claim to kind of be a jack of all trades or, or do it all. The reality is that you know nobody is really an expert in all things so uh, it really is through that collaboration that working together you know with other digital experience firms or with architectural design firms uh with strategic companies with branding firms advertising agencies and you know digital experience companies like like ours um you know it's it's really that collaboration that allows us to better serve our brands to to deliver on that and i think uh in light of what's happened during this pandemic uh, and how customers, uh, our customers or brands have had to basically reshape their strategy and, and reallocate marketing spend and diversify or pivot their offerings. Um, it's really vital, I think because of this collaboration that I think we can work collectively as an industry to be able to react accordingly and continue to service those brands.
1: How do you see retail now? You know, we're, I think we're entering a really interesting period. Um, you know we, we everything was shut down for, laurel period and now we're starting to see areas start to reopen and it seems like retailers are now rethinking the experience or starting to explore different technologies do you find more requests do you see an increase in in activity what what are you
0: sensing i think things are changing very rapidly um and even though it looks like things are taking a very positive turn. Um, the truth is, I mean, we we just really don't know. Right. I mean, the, the reality is uh, with with the pandemic, we don't know. Could there be another wave? Could it impact people again? You know, how soon will the vaccine come out? And, and all of those things are causing a lot of uncertainty which are really impacting the retail sector very heavily i mean the some of the smaller brands that uh, or even not so small some just some of the brands that were a little bit slow to adopt digital transformation even before the pandemic um that had not really modernized their their distribution protocols that had maybe put all their eggs in one basket we're seeing a lot of those brands unfortunately have to close their doors and some of them are filing for for bankruptcy protection. Uh, and it's really sad, right? because it, you're seeing some some really great brands that have been around for a really long time that that are just not able to bounce back. Uh, but on the flip side to that, you know we are seeing, some other brands that uh perhaps were a little bit more diversified in their offering, they had looked at the entire digital path to purchase um and uh they've been able to kind of pivot and you know reinvest in different parts of their business and and they're able to survive and and now, as the uh, physical bricks and mortar locations open up again, hopefully their revenues will start increasing and and that's going to fuel you know not just our industry but the economy as a whole. Have you found yourself
1: having to you know, introduce or, or think a little bit differently in terms of the kind of engagement points that you are recommending for for brands to, to bring into their store, to use into their store. So, you know, you go from digital signage to you know, interactive experiences, but then there's also other applications or um, things that have been developed during the course of the pandemic to, you know, help create this safe experience. Like, how do you sort of draw that line or, or think about these technologies that might make sense to implement, to, to back up that notion of a safe experience versus putting or, or, or using an, maybe an engagement point that already exists. Like, How do you, you know, approach that from taking what they might have to maybe they need to increase the visibility?
0: You know, the conversation with consumers that are coming back has changed quite a bit. Uh, first and foremost, I think brands have had to uh, think about, you know, how do they convey safety to their visitors? How do they make them feel comfortable to start coming back to physical bricks and mortar? And, you know, that, that was probably, I think, uh, especially in Canada, that was maybe, you know, like, 2 or 3 months ago that 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 conversation started uh fortunately we've been uh, a little bit uh, quicker to uh to open up and and uh get back to some sense of normalcy uh, compared to other parts of the world but um yeah i mean i think that that conversation is changing on a regular basis and i think what we're seeing now is brands are starting to take a look at how can they re-engage that shopper, how can they make them want to reconnect with them as a brand and how can they win back their loyalty and their time. Uh, so what we're noticing quite a bit, uh, particularly this past month, is a little bit of a spike. Uh, I've noticed it a lot more in the luxury retail uh, side of the business as well as the uh, sports retail side of the business and maybe because those are, are verticals that were a little bit more prepared, uh, that had done a better job of digitally transforming their offering and uh, had resumed that communication with shoppers while they were at home. Uh, so perhaps that's why they were a little bit better prepared. Um, or you know what i were seeing too is a lot of recent store openings uh around the world in that sector in both sports retail and luxury retail. Uh, obviously they were planned before the pandemic hit but sure. um you know they're they're still happening, they're still taking flight. So uh yeah, we're seeing a lot of traction picking back up in particular like i said in this past month.
1: I mean it's it's nice to see that i think the you know brands and, and and different retailers are are really starting to look at um, you know, ways to improve the experience and and how to really make it safe for their customers. Do you, do you see them really embracing a strategy? Because it seemed like for a while, there was a rush to find a solution to you know, create a safer experience, but then there wasn't really, wasn't coupled with a strategy that tied back to the customer experience. It, it seemed like disconnected. Do you see them really understanding that if they're gonna make this investment, It also needs to be tied back to improving that experience so that there's not a disconnect that the the customer sees value and it's sustainable.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think there was definitely quite a few months where things were very reactionary um, given Obviously, there was no no warning or time to to thoroughly prepare uh, and flesh out a proper strategy. So, uh, what we found ourselves pivoting to, in particularly the first couple of months of the pandemic, was uh, you know finding technology solutions to problems that had uh, arisen. Whether it was you know helping them with uh, sanitizing the environment or uh, helping to control traffic with occupancy sensors, um, you know things like that. But now Now what we're seeing is that um, I think brands are are a little bit more open to hearing about digital experiences that can change faster, that can evolve, that can communicate different types of uh, messages to customers, um, that can achieve basically a lot more and give them a bigger return on their investment. I think uh, a lot of them, you know, uh, had previously used, say, digital signage to cycle different types of uh, messaging that they might have used in other communications or repurposing different types of ads or or imagery. Uh, In particularly in the fashion industry, you see a lot of their high-end photography being shown almost in like a a loop. And I think what they realized is that they've had to uh, change their strategy quite a bit given everything that's happened. Uh, and it's causing them to take a look at different digital experiences that can adapt a little bit quicker, that can uh, have different types of messaging. Um, so I think uh, to some regard, we're seeing a little bit of, uh, of an improvement in the sense of, uh, Brand marketers starting to look at this medium as something that does need to be properly planned uh, to provide flexibility, be more a- agile in in responding to whether it's a pandemic or an emergency situation or even just a shift in their business and what they want to promote and talk about. They're starting to appreciate that digital can really evolve as quickly as as needed. You
1: said something interesting, you know, in there, are just you know, talking about you know the visual side of it like you said rather than just showing visuals of, of products there's a bit more of a deeper message do you, do you find it challenging in the conversations that you've you've had or are stepping into to really work with the brand and how to analyze what they have and be able to to use that in the means that you were just talking about now is i guess in other words i'm saying is i mean what's that process or how how does that process come together on how you you know, look at a brand and and, and the assets they have, the way they they message and market themselves to their customers and translate that back into the in-store experience.
0: That's a great question. I mean, uh, in a perfect world, we would have the opportunity to collaborate on a little bit more than just what they're doing in the physical environment. Uh, we actually do quite a bit of work in, in e-commerce, online, social media, uh, mobile app development as well. So, uh, with some of our clients, we have the luxury of already being involved in some of those facets of their business. But for the ones that we're not, um, you know, we always start any engagement by first really understanding Uh, the brand that we're trying to work with uh, all of their communication touch points, really understanding, you know, where are they active on social media? Where are they getting the most traction? uh, How are they gaining their customers? How are they acquiring them? uh, What is that, you know, Costing them from a sense of you know investment from ongoing marketing and, and social outreach, uh, or even you know looking at some of the more traditional mediums that they might still be playing in, whether it's television or, or other types of online video content. Um, we always start by by understanding who that customer is and what they're doing, and then taking a look at you know what are the opportunities to leverage some of that material so that if they've spent quite a bit of uh, money to create content that can be repurposed, obviously we want to maximize that and give them a bigger return on that. But then, you know, taking a look at what the role of the in-store experience is versus out of home uh, or on the go or, or being in the comfort uh, of your home uh, on their web presence, you know, in-store is very different. Uh, it's um, not a time where consumers typically want to be marketed to. Uh, They're in a point where they're willing to shop. They're probably already further along the sales funnel to want to make a commitment and buy an item. So when you're talking with digital in these instances, it's usually a disruptive medium. It's usually interrupting their normal shopping behavior to then help either provide more education, more information, provide some upsell, some cross-sell, Uh, Or provide some other benefit that can give them a a bit of brand reinforcement that they had not already seen in one of those other channels that might have driven them to the store in the first place. So um, it's important to understand all the channels, but then at the same time, help the client realize that for their in-store messaging, the same way that they're attributing time and care into the other mediums or channels, that the in-store digital experience is no different and it requires that same kind of care plan and investment. Most uh, of the brands that we're working with in that kind of uh, new, fresh capacity, they're already starting to look at what's going to happen next year, right? Uh, Particularly in the in the fashion retail industry, you know, just as well as I do, they're not planning, you know, next quarter; they're planning next year, right? Uh, So what we've seen for the most part is brands taking a bit of a more optimistic spin on things somewhat returning to to normal uh, and being able to market to consumers and re-engage them and get them to re-bond with their brand. So they are looking uh, in some cases at doubling down on these experiences. In fact, we're working with a a fashion retail brand right now uh, who happens to be a Canadian company but with a global presence and they're in the middle of opening up some uh, new really impressive store locations. Uh, and uh, they're looking at some really amazing technology, some uh, amazing storefront window technology with some transparency and and uh, different things that are really going to engage consumers and try and draw them into the physical store. So while we have obviously seen a downturn with uh, some of the brands that perhaps were not as uh, as well prepared to to uh, ride out this storm. Uh, we are also seeing on the flip side to that, as I just mentioned, some brands that are starting to double down on that experience. And, uh, I, I mentioned before the sports retail sector is one that we're really seeing this uh, quite heavily and we do quite a bit of work with Adidas. Uh, so I'm a little bit closer to their brand than, than some of the others, but their category mix as a whole has become very competitive. And if you look at what's happening, uh, in Europe and in Asia and China and Japan, um, you're starting to see them almost start to compete against each other on who can dial up that in-store experiential uh, piece that allows you to do so much more with digital than just be communicated to.
1: Here's something I, I, I'm curious to get your, your opinion on. Um, don't laugh, but does size matter? Uh, and, and, and where I, I'm going with that is it seems that some of the retailers that have failed are the big box, the anchor tenants, and so do you feel that the brands that maybe maintain a smaller square footage, um, and you know the store is maybe less about necessarily buying product but more about experiencing the brand, have an advantage post COVID.
0: You know, it's an interesting point, and I think even before. Uh, the whole pandemic hit, it's already something that some of the larger retailers had been exploring. Uh, In fact, if you take a look at uh, Best Buy, for example, they've adopted a store within a store concept for all of their suppliers, right? So as you're navigating through the space, you have these little pavilions within it. So there's an Apple area, Microsoft area, Samsung area, you know, an LG area, everybody kind of has their little their little pocket. Uh, and that's not just something that's holding true to big box stores. We're seeing that uh, even in in grocery shopping, like the whole market concept has, has yeah. really skyrocketed in the past, uh, I want to say two years now, where you have these, you know, little market corners that have homegrown ingredients and fresh produce and the meat market and the dairy market. And, you know, that's holding true even in fashion retail. So, uh, I think to Macy's, right? And how Macy's has introduced all of these little pavilion stations. They, uh, introduced, uh, beta, which I'm sure you're familiar with. It's a, uh, it's a concept that's, uh, allowing, um, you know, small tech brand startup companies specifically involved in home automation and, uh, and IoT and devices to have a footprint inside a large store that they otherwise wouldn't have, and what it's doing for a brand like Macy's is allowing them to attract new uh, customers into their store and and being able to compete with some of those other uh, consumer electronics stores that they probably otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. So the whole notion of brands having a smaller footprint that's more direct to consumer, I think was there before the pandemic. But I think we're starting to see it a hell of a lot more now. Uh, During this pandemic, I think brands realized that uh, a lot of them that do sell through the channel or through resellers have heightened their ability to sell direct. So you're seeing yeah. Brands like Adidas and uh, and other brands like that starting to ramp up their own e-commerce presence, uh, starting to open up their own stores as opposed to just reselling through all the sports apparel stores. So I think this is a trend that's here to stay. And I do agree that there is something to be said with intimacy and having an experience in a smaller area that can really immerse a consumer into a little bit more uh and needless to say the aspects of obviously you know saving money on these huge uh, square footage uh, stores which i think people are starting to uh to minimize the size of that
1: well you guys i, I know you've done some work with reebok and, um, you know, there's there's a really great case study that, that you guys have of, of the work that you've done with them. And I think that's a good e- example. And I'm curious on, on your point of view, because you know, there's a brand that does sell through channel and but they also have their own um, experience stores or flagship stores. So, I mean, do you see them making that shift and, and saying we're just going to focus more on our own? On our own stores, and maybe less on creating an experience inside of. I mean, Macy's is a little bit different story, but they sell through a Kohl's, they sell through um, a Sport Shack, uh, you know, a variety of, of those. Where did they draw the line? Do they put more emphasis on the experience in their own stores, or do they try to, a hybrid approach, where maybe it's a, a modified pop-up experience that can live within a Sport Shack? What, what does a brand do like that?
0: Well, I think the uh, objectives for reselling product within a sport check environment or within their own physical store has a little bit of a, a variance, right? So in uh, a brand's own flagship store, in this case Reebok, they make sure that they have, you know, the latest and greatest product in multiple sizes, all of their current campaigns, um, everything is fresh and new about their brand communications. And then perhaps, you know, in a sport check environment, they might not have their full line. They might only have a a smaller curated selection of products that they think will perform well in that type of environment. Um, And they have a minimal footprint in which they can communicate their offering and service right uh and as you know sport check is is almost like a, a little bit of an information overload with all the different yeah. brands that are in there trying to communicate uh and we've you know we've been fortunate enough to do some experiences in sport check and we know how challenging it is to kind of stand out from from all that noise and clutter and competitive brands whereas you know for example in reebok uh at i gotcha we've had the the opportunity to work with reebok for for quite some time uh it's I think going on close to a 10-year relationship. We, we helped them when they first relocated their headquarters from uh, Canton to the Dry Dock location in Boston. Uh, and that began a bit of a pilot, which then uh, had great success and rolled out to uh, store openings uh, in Boston, New York City, San Diego. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they've been really open to try and dial up that experience when they launch a new campaign or they launch a, a new major product, they really want to be able to dial that up and communicate it and tell a richer story. So uh, the the case study that you were mentioning before that's recent, uh, it, just at the, in the beginning of this year, we helped them to uh, introduce the Zig Kinetica, uh footwear brand and at the same time also unveil Conor McGregor uh as their flagship athlete and for those of you who don't know conor mcgregor is the largest draw in mixed martial arts today and even though he finds himself in a little bit of a temporary retirement right now uh we're all <laughs> we're all pretty sure he's going to be coming back uh, quite soon so uh you know we had timed this uh great launch of uh, of this shoe uh campaign for the zig to uh, a major fight that he was going to be having that, uh, you know, for for the UFC fans out there would know that, you know, Connor did a really amazing job of putting that, that guy down in, in a very short amount of time. Uh, And, uh, you know, they they really want to dial up this communication uh, that talks about lifestyle and culture. And in particularly with this campaign, we were talking to uh, the game changers, which are basically uh, 20 to 25 year old people who live active and sporty lifestyles. Uh, They like to go a little bit against the grain. They have a little bit of an edgy attitude. And, uh, you know, the, the experience is really needed to convey all that kind of lifestyle messaging. Uh, and for us to be able to resonate with those types of consumers, it's important for us to understand who they are. Um, so much like you know many other firms, we work with a design thinking methodology, where we take the time to empathize with our end customer and understand who they are and what their needs are. And then we design the experiences for them, right? So in this particular case, uh, we had the opportunity to uh, work with some really great, amazing assets uh, that uh, we got from Reebok, as well as a lot of really cool stuff that we created ourselves. Um, so we had you know beautiful motion graphics rich content in the digital signage that helped to attract, uh, customers in, draw them into the store, and then we even had the uh, the opportunity to work on some really great interactive uh, touch screen experiences throughout the store that allowed the customer to get that two way engagement and and really find out all the information on the different lines of the shoe, the technology, the innovation, uh, all the branding behind it, uh, the rich video content that was uh, created with Connor McGregor. Um, so yeah, I mean it was a it was a really fun experience to work with. Uh, we got to really dial up our motion graphics and, and work with Cinema 4D and some some great special effects tools uh, to work on uh, on a mnemonic animation that kind of was the the main uh, visual element throughout the space. Um, some great UX design. So I mean, it was awesome to work with that uh, with that campaign. And, and Reebok remains a, a really great client of ours that uh, that we love working with and, and helping them deliver on those experiences
1: it's it's a great experience which is why i had to bring it up and i I invite everyone to uh to take a look at it thank you yeah no a a
0: pleasure uh no definitely accept accept the compliment um Uh, i know it means it means a lot coming from you i really admire the work that you guys do as well i appreciate that
1: um so where does something like that go in in the next
0: phase it was designed to be something that could function both at their store as well as in pop up, as well as in a reseller's environment, because uh, it occupies, you know, a relatively small square footage. Uh, the interactive experience itself is, is a portrait display that can go either on a stand or against a wall. So it's definitely something that could be put into uh, a sports reseller store like, like Sport Check, for example. Um, so, you know, when we come up with these experiences for these brands, we're always cognizant and thinking about, you know, the different environments that it could reside in. Um, so, you know, if you think about uh, if it were a smaller pop-up shop or in a reseller's environment... The ability to I don't want to use the term endless aisle because I hate that that yeah. term, but you know, just to help illustrate it, the ability to have a wider variety in an area where you would otherwise have a limited footprint can be very powerful and engaging for a brand as well. Um so yeah, that that's something obviously that we that we think about and and we're working with them to to explore as well.
1: It's also funny on how some of these terms now are gonna change endless aisle.
0: I hope so, because I'm tired of all of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the death of some and the and and the rebirth of
0: others. Uh, it's a, it's an
1: interesting time.
0: Absolutely, but I think you know the ability for brands to um, deliver experiences now that you know obviously make their customers feel safe, that encourage them to come back to physical bricks and mortar, uh, and at you know, more than anything else, can tell those richer stories that are going to rewin that brand affinity or advocacy that, that uh, you know, could have potentially been lost or maybe lost as people are a little bit more cautious as to how much they go to stores and, you know, where they spend their time, I think is going to be vital, right? And I think um, now is the time when experience is everything. So uh, we need to kind of shift the, the way that we... Um, not only plan our experiences, recommend them, what we offer, but also think about like, you know, what's that messaging and content going to be like, that's going to really do that, that job and and engage shoppers.
1: It's very much experimenting. I, I, it's kind of like about this is, is that there's, there's no wrong or right. Um, I, I, I think everyone really still craves an experience and I think that's what, I think you, you definitely hit it on. I think now that people are being able to, to go out and explore. I mean, one part you you being cautious, but then you, you also want that kind of unique and, and authentic experience. And I think brands that can deliver that are the ones that are, are going to are going to win, that are going to create those loyalties.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree one hundred percent. In fact, um, one of the biggest uh, pushes for for me and for our marketing team right now is to talk about this uh, this new um, we're calling it the rise of experiential retail. Right. So, um, yeah, I know you're familiar uh, with a book that was written a long time ago, the Experience Economy. I think we had him as a speaker at one of the SCGD events uh, a couple years ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had read that book already before that SCGD event, but uh, it, it holds really true. I think right now it's the notion of adapting to want to own more of the customer's time by brands and if they can hope to gain their time. As part of their brand, then they can hope to have more market share and take dollars that they would otherwise spend with a competitor or even just with another brand altogether. Uh, And to do that, it's it's all about providing an experience. And uh, I mean, you know, with uh, targeting millennials and Gen Z, you know, these consumers today they're all about understanding a brand's culture, their community, what they stand for, what they believe in. Um, You know, we like to talk a lot about authenticity. And I think you just mentioned this a little while ago, right? Like, how can a brand hope to be authentic? How can they appeal to this new demographic that is really starting to control all the uh, the spend right now and mm. becoming the focus of, of brands. Uh, and it really is through delivering experience. It's about telling richer stories. It's about removing friction points in the shopping behavior. But it's really about creating a destination and uh, as brands hope to try and get uh, consumers to start coming back to physical bricks and mortar and retail. They need to now take the best that consumers have taken from online shopping, and weave that into the physical bricks and mortar experience, giving them the best of both worlds.
1: Well, I also think it goes into the other, the point you were saying before about an authentic experience, and I think consumers today are, you know, more aware. I think more more conscious, and um, you know, looking for something that is. That is safe. That is reliable. Um, they're going to be cautious, and I think uh, you know brands need to understand that and need to deliver that, and um, you know through the experiences that they're creating in, in their store. So um, you know, just even you said it before, that customer experience needs to have, or, or they need to work on reducing those friction points. You know, because the moment that that struggle starts or that confusion. Is the moment that the relationship is broken?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's the same type of learning and behavior that online went through, right? So if I think back to the early days of e-commerce, some of the uh, checkout processes were so long and cumbersome uh, to get you to the point where you can just buy something and 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 check out and leave. Uh, and you know, it's had to mature, and it's at the point now with even through social media, you can relatively quickly click on an item, buy it directly through your social media tool, use your mobile wallet to quickly pay and and have that delivered to you in just a matter of clicks, right? So the ability to allow shoppers to shop where they want, how they want and deliver information uh, when they wanna receive it is something that doesn't just hold true to online. It's something that we need to be cognizant of in-store as well. And when we're delivering those types of experiences, You know, we need to think about that and and some of the behaviors that have shifted as well because of the pandemic with, you know, some apprehension to using some touch experience, for example, Uh, the way that consumers uh, interact with interfaces has has been in a constant change, I would say, uh, in the past five years more so than than any time before that and uh you know with uh personal assistant devices and all of these things coming on board consumers are becoming more open to voice activated control for example or if we take a look at uh vr and and mixed reality and ar you know some of the newer tools are allowing people to navigate just by eye direction and the way that they're looking at uh, at UI calls to be able to interact and engage certain parts of an interface, right? Um, and then you know with with gesture base, which. Had a really bit of a slow, clumsy start, and uh, you know, wasn't as responsive, and and had a lot of challenges at the beginning. So people stayed away from it. I think you're going to start seeing a big bounce back in gesture uh, as well. And in fact, we're we're in the process of working on some some pretty cool gesture interactive experiences uh, for some clients.
1: No, I completely agree. I think you said it yeah, spot on. I, I think you know, in the beginning, everyone was concerned about you know everything you touch. And then you know, there was a bit of the realization that touch is not going away. But I think you, you were spot on. It's just being smarter on what you're asking consumers to do when they're interacting with something. Is, is, it, is it shorter interactions? Is it a different form? Is it gesture? Is it voice?
0: As we design our interfaces and we think about what the triggers are going to be to be able to call that type of interaction, um, you know, we, we gotta we gotta be a little bit smarter and and modernize it. Um, definitely, you touched on. You know, is it a shorter engagement? You know, in some instances, yeah, absolutely. That the 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 selection process probably needs to be simplified a little bit. The uh, attention span is probably shorter and more con- cautious. Uh, the engagement level or payoff in taking time to uh, to partake in an ex- in a digital experience needs to be bigger. Um, so, yeah, those are all factors that are evolving the way that we build our experiences and what we ask consumers to do. And it doesn't mean that we're abandoning touchscreen, because by no means are, are we doing that, um, you know, because if a customer is going to come into a physical store and feel safe, they're going to want to feel safe to be able to touch apparel and try it on and, you know, uh, pay at the POS uh, terminal. So feeling safe uh, and giving them a, a touchscreen experience is not necessarily something that that is dying or going away just the ways that uh, we deliver on those experiences needs to be a little bit better thought out and planned and and all of those factors need to be considered i think providing solutions for retailers to help make the spaces safer for their customers to help improve the communication um, and make shoppers want to spend time in their store uh, are really important. And I think uh, it plays a, a part in digital experiences. In, in my personal opinion, I think it plays a very small part. I think the the bigger story is really around how brands can re-engage consumers now as retail opens up again, uh, because it doesn't just mean now that the doors are open, the, the customers are gonna flood through the doors and they're gonna start spending again. Uh, brands are gonna have to earn that uh, loyalty back.
1: Well, I think we'll leave it on that note. Um, Marcus, it's always a pleasure to, to catch up with you. Um, I'm a big fan of the work of you guys up in I Gotcha. Um, so, if you can tell everyone where they can find you, how they can learn a little bit more about I Gotcha.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, First, thank you, Brian, for for the compliment. Likewise, I I share the sentiment. uh, Exactly. I've been following your work for for many years, so I feel exactly the same way. You can uh, find us uh, on our website, which is igotchamedia.com. And if anybody wants to reach out to me directly, you can email me at marcos.com. Terenzio, that's T-E-R-E-N-Z-I-O, uh, see I said it the American way for you.com. <laughs> uh, sorry, at igotchamedia.com, uh, or if you want to uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, or Twitter, it's basically uh, Marcos Terenzio, no spaces, no periods uh, uh, on either LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, and I'd be happy to connect.
1: And I should also add that Marcos is also part of the uh, Digital Signage Expo Advisory Board and uh, responds with some great information to a series of questions each month. So uh, I highly recommend checking that out as well. So, uh, but again, thank you very much. Uh, I do appreciate you uh, jumping on and catching up.
0: Yeah, thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Always. Well,
1: thank you for listening to this episode of the Experience by Design podcast. As always, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Global. And join me again as we continue this conversation on different experiences. We'll talk to you soon.